Hello there, welcome to Jubes and Curd, the podcast of my show on GB News. My name's Michelle Jubery, and you can catch me live every weekday evening from 6 till 7pm. But worry not, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Jubes and Curd. Well, keeping me company my panel, we've got Daniel Moylan, who's a former advisor to Boris Johnson and now a Conservative peer in the House of Lords. Silky Carlo, the director of Big Brother Watch, and Emma Bernal, a journalist and political consultant. Good evening to you three. It was the lovely Emma that flashed up at the start <laughs> of the programme. I think maybe uh, they might be dropping a hint. Maybe Kick it's me my out. show now, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kick me out, put you in. Or maybe we're just trying to confuse you all on a Friday. Right, uh, you know the drill on Jubes and Co as well, don't you? It's not just about us here, it's about you at home as well. What is on your mind tonight? You can get in touch with me. GBviews at gbnews.uk is the email address. Of course, if this is your thing, Twitter, you can get in touch with us there at GB News or at Michelle Jubes. Uh, we're all over social media anyway. YouTube, uh, TikTok, are you cool enough to use that? I'm not. Um, but kids love us on there. We're doing great guns. Wherever you watch and listen to us tonight, you are very welcome indeed. Now, today, I have been up in Doncaster at the Tories Northern Research Group's first conference. The focus, levelling up, a topic that we all now know about. There are massive inequalities that exist between North and South in, let's face it, pretty much every aspect of life. In attendance there were around 350 Northerners. They were made up of lots of different folk, MPs, business people, councillors, you name it. People who care about and are passionate about the North and people who want the best for it. The energy and the passion there was infectious. The star guest at the event, no, it was not me. It was none other than our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, determined to show that he is indeed passionate about levelling up the country and indeed about us Northerners, many of who, by the way, voted Tory for the first time in their life in 2019. Many did so purely because of Boris. 20-odd seats, of course, turned blue for the first time in their history. Alas, the man himself, Boris, didn't even bother to attend the planned event. Instead, he went to go and see his new best friend, President Zelensky, in Ukraine. In his own words, My visit today, in the depths of this war, is to send a clear and simple message to the Ukrainian people. The UK is with you, and we will be with you until you ultimately prevail. Boris, your first priority, though, is here with the people of the UK, many of whom are deeply suffering at the moment and for whom life is only going to get worse. It is them that you need to be sending a clear message to and them that you need to be showing solidarity with. Today was your opportunity. You could have grabbed it. Instead, you chose a photo opportunity. Now, don't get me wrong, the situation in Ukraine is deeply important, essential in fact. But what on earth were you doing there today that you couldn't have achieved tomorrow? You left many Northerners today feeling like they simply do not matter, that levelling up is simply a slogan rather than a true sentiment. If indeed there was something in Ukraine that was so pressing, why didn't you even bother sending a video message to the Northerners to explain your absence? Because Boris, if you ask me, and many viewers to this show will know that I have defended you to the hilt. But you, what you did today, I feel, was a mistake and one 
that will likely come back to haunt you. Daniel Moylan. When I came back from Doncaster and I was following this story, I happened to look at your Twitter. Oh, God, what did I say? Let me read something, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, what Daniel said. I had no idea that the Boris Johnson visit to Kiev, where he's recognised as the effective leader of the West, would so annoy whoever that person is and sundry fellow lefties. But it is a distinct bonus. Why would you think it's a bonus that people are annoyed that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of this country, who apparently is passionate about levelling up this country, has, to many people's mind, chosen what appears to be a simple photo opportunity as opposed to something that truly matters here in this country. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, actually, Michelle. And when I sent that tweet, I wasn't aware that he'd um, failed to turn up in the, uh, at the Northern Research Group um, event. And I think that that probably was the right thing to, that he should have gone to. Um, this is not to say that, as you said yourself, I mean, Ukraine is terribly important and mm. the support that he, where he's given and where he is recognised as the leader of the effective leader of the West, um, of all the Western countries, the one putting the most welly behind Ukraine, the most support. Um, it is really important that he goes there. It's important that he's seen there. But I, I sort of think you're, you have a point. He could have picked another day. Um, and I think perhaps he should have been up in the north of England today, yeah. And I wonder, I mean, you are a former advisor to Boris Johnson. And I think... Whoever is advising Boris Johnson right now, they're off the mark. Because if they don't understand the sentiment that a lot of Northerners, and many people write and go, oh, Michelle only feels like this because it's about the North. It's not necessarily about that. That was the peg. That was where he was supposed to be. There are so many people in this country that are struggling. And life is about to get so, so much worse for them. And there's something about Boris, and I have backed him. You've been, you've been on this panel with me many times where I've backed him whenever it's this, that and the other and all the rest of it. But I'm just getting the sense that he doesn't actually seem to care that much. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. But I do agree. I mean, there is... Number 10, there are too many advisers and too many people pointing in the wrong direction, pointing in different directions. And if you are the Prime Minister, there are tremendous demands on your time. And, of course, it is to some extent who gets in there and who starts steering you off. He needs... Um, I would say, as a former advisor, though never worked for him in number 10, I would say he probably needs to focus on a smaller group of grown-up advisors and actually work with them. But um, I, I can't defend this. I think it is a mistake. He should have been there and he should have shown that priority, um, which is not to say he wasn't doing important things in Ukraine as well. Yeah, and also the thing that got me... Um was that he didn't even bother. I was there today. Yeah. Um, there was such an energy, a passion. People genuinely wanted to try and fix the, the whole kind of uh, disparity between North and South, which, by the way, has been on there. It's been going on for years and decades. It's not a new thing, but nonetheless, uh, there was a passion for trying to fix it. And for me, it was like you didn't even... He didn't even bother sending those people a video message. Well, he's got the opportunity now to show that he's really listening to those people and actually building on their enthusiasm and their passion. Mm -hmm. And he really has to step up and show it. Wow. Now, we have got good policies for levelling up, but we need more. And we need to understand better what it is the people of the north of England want in different parts, different regions in the north of England. And what came out of that conference today in Doncaster 
is really important for that and he needs to build on respond to it and build on it and show that he really cares. Yeah, and I want your views on this at home, by the way, at gbviews at gbnews.uk. Um, because to me, this was, uh, it was a own goal and it was something that will come back uh, to bite Boris. You tell me, am I wrong? Silky, your thoughts? Well, I think that um, Russia's aggression against Ukraine is a proxy for aggression against the whole West. And this is one of the most serious issues that we face in Europe. But a photo opportunity is not uh, the Prime Minister taking any kind of meaningful action. You know, this has clearly been used as a, as, as a press opportunity and Boris Johnson has form for this. Whenever there is a sticky domestic situation, he uses, I'm afraid to say, his relationship with Zelensky and he, use, he uses the crisis in Ukraine to distract the press. Um, and I think that's really shameful because I think at the same time, the government has shown good leadership in this regard and we, we have expressed serious solidarity with Ukraine. Um, but I think quite aside from, I mean, of course, levelling up has become a buzzword. I don't think Boris Johnson really knows what it means. I personally don't think he's invested in it at all. Um, we face an enormous economic crisis, cost of living crisis, one in five uh, people in this country live in poverty. Two million pensioners live in poverty. Um, children are living in poverty and going to school hungry. No, there's no real understanding in government uh, or serious policies around levelling up. Um, but also, even if uh, Boris Johnson decided that today's the day that on the back of a uh, domestic scandal that he needs to prioritise Ukraine, why don't we sort out the refugee scheme? Why don't we sort out home, homes for Ukrainians? Because where's the material help? So many people have come forward and said that they would um, give up their homes for Ukrainian refugees, and yet even that's not working. So failure upon failure. I think that's a gross exaggeration about the Ukrainian refugees. 60% um, of them are already now in jobs amongst so, so the adults. So 40% of them aren't? Well, you know, many of them haven't that's even... That's nearly half. Have and barely it's been quite going arrived. on quite some time. I've got to say, um, already, just before I bring you in on this, Emma, I'll just bring some of my viewers in. There's a, a hugely divided uh, opinion. Alex says, Jubes, you're absolutely um, right on this. Boris deserves some stick. Nigel says, shame on you, Jubes. Um, to describe this visit to Ukraine as a fertile opportunity is beneath you. What these visits mean to the Ukrainians should never uh, be so lightly undermined. Uh, you have cheapened it with your flippancy. Um, Lorraine says, Michelle, you're great, but you've got this wrong. As all the main EU leaders were on show supporting Ukraine yesterday, he had to visit today. Are we, the UK, don't count, says Lorraine. Um, but you see, I don't get what that means. Mm. We have to be there because many of you, by the way, will have seen the weird picture of Zelensky and Macron having some kind of man hug or whatever it was that they were getting up to. Um, and I don't buy that, actually. I don't believe that our prime minister has to uh, pr press pause on domestic affairs just because uh, Macron has been there the day before giving someone a hug. I think that's silly. Um, I don't buy that view. Emma, where do you stand on some of this? Well, I mean, you and I have disagreed over Boris many times on this show, Michelle, but this time I'm 100% with you. I think he's... 
I think it's really important to separate. And one of the things we've not disagreed with, to be fair, is over Britain's response led by Boris Johnson to the Ukrainian crisis in general. There are specific elements where I have been critical and I just was about the um, refugee scheme. But in general, I am proud that we have stepped up and I've given mm. Boris the due for that. But the levelling up agenda is in serious danger of becoming a slogan without a policy and the more that happens, the emptier that's going to feel, both in terms of those people whose job it is to deliver policy and to make the change on the ground, and those people who are desperate for that policy to actually change lives and neighbourhoods and communities. And there is so much community spirit and need and energy there to be released and it just needs the right policy and the right oomph and the right emphasis. But to do that, you have to stop campaigning and start governing. And that is where I think we're in real danger with both this Boris Johnson and the party that he leads. They are great at campaigning, terrible at delivering. And the North needs delivery. Yeah, it does. Um, someone, I've just, oh, there goes Steve. He says, cool, Michelle, try not to look so angry on television just because Boris Johnson didn't come to see you up north. That's what Steve said. Steve, I'm not in a mood because Boris Johnson didn't come to see me up north. Um, I'm here. I'm back in London presenting to you. So I wouldn't have seen Boris Johnson. It's nothing to do with me. This is about the fact that I genuinely, genuinely, with my hand on my heart, worry that there are so many people in this country that are struggling with life at the moment and for whom life is going to get a whole lot worse. And I just worry that there is a disconnect between saying, I care about you and I'm going to help you and actually doing that with actions. I feel like there's a disconnect. And I know a lot of Northerners uh, that lent the Tories their votes and they didn't do it lightly. It was a big deal for a lot of people and they did it because they imparted their trust. And I just feel that like on this occasion, he's let them down and your opinions are coming through thick and fast and you're disagreeing and agreeing with me um, in equal measure, I would say. But I just think it was wrong. Um, if I just kind of divert away from Boris, because I know, I, I mean, do because when I saw your tweet today and you were saying, oh, yeah, it's a good thing that it's kind of wound, wound people up, I thought, hmm, um, because I'm like you, me and you have both sat here, haven't we? And we've defended yeah. Boris multiple times on this show. There's been all kinds of weird and bizarre things that have gone on. And you and I have often been on the same side of the fence. And um, hey, there you go. There's your tweet. We don't mess around. Look, <laughs> well done. My producer's there. I've got it on the screen. Um, but it's kind of like, do you think that he is just, or is it Boris or is it his advisors? Like, how does this work? Because, you know, I'm not political. I've never been advising a, 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 par a parliamentarian like this. Who gets the say? Is it you? Does he decide what he wants to do? He, he, may, he, 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 he will have made the final decision and it's a matter for him. He's the prime minister and he gets to decide what he does. And uh, obviously we're choosing here between two good things. Nobody's saying that going to Ukraine was a bad thing saying there was something else you could have done that was just as good or even better. So he's choosing between two good things to do and he's made this choice. He's got to live with the consequences of that choice. It has upset people in the North. It's upset some of his own Conservative MPs. It has desperately upset you, Michelle, and I completely understand that. And I think on balance, you are right and probably he should have prioritised. I mean, you can't say, I'm going to be your star guest and not turn up. He could have said weeks ago, I can't be your star guest, I'm washing my hair 
because I can't tell you what I'm actually going to be doing because of security reasons. Yeah, of course. But I can't accept the invitation for whatever reason. You could have said that and then you could have gone away to Ukraine. You wouldn't have let people down. But um, he did say he was going to turn up. He didn't turn up. He's, he, you can recover from this. I mean, he's got to show, I think, unlike you, I think he actually does have a vision for what levelling up means. And I do think he's personally very, very committed to it. But he has to step up and show it. Mm. And it's on multiple fronts now. Because when you're prime minister, you have to be everywhere at the same time. You have to deal with foreign affairs, domestic affairs, the challenges of the economy, and, of course, the pandemic and everything which is now happily in the past. All these things you have to step up and deal with them. It's a big job, big challenge, and he's got to show that he's going to do them all at the same time. Well, Mike has messaged in, and your words, not mine, Mike. You describe yourself as angry, Mike. And you've said, I totally disagree with Michelle. Levelling up is important, but so are people who are dying every day in the Ukraine. The Prime Minister has the right to prioritise and he can always address the levelling up brigade another day. Uh, you slightly missed my point there, Mike, because I don't deny that what's going on in Ukraine is important. I don't deny that actually we should absolutely be showing solidarity and support to etc. the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian government. No problem with that. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, to me... It almost felt like a deliberate avoidance of the levelling up thing and choosing to take the easier route, for want of a better word, in going to Ukraine, um, perhaps for the reason that one of my viewers earlier on wrote, because other EU leaders were there yesterday. So he kind of then felt, well, I need to get myself in there. That's how it feels to me. I'm not the oracle. I might have got it wrong. I'm someone that's previously defended Boris Johnson multiple times. I might be wrong on this. I just like to have integrity and share what I think when I feel it. I don't want to just have this repeated, consistent, oh, let's back Boris, let's back Boris, no matter what he does. I think when people uh, deserve criticism, they deserve criticism. Simple as that for me. Um, by the way, let's just talk levelling up very briefly before um, I head to a break. Do you think we're ever going to achieve levelling up? We've got so many disparities now, pretty much everywhere, whether it's health, education, employment, whatever. Do you think we're ever going to get to the point where the North and the South are equal? Well, actually, just before we came on air, there was an interview published in the Financial Times in which Boris Johnson says that levelling up is about funnelling money to the South. I'm not joking. So I think Northern Tories are going to be livid when they read this. Um, there's no real understanding. Um, there are no real policies and there's no real care. And that's what, you know, that you're quite rightly pointing out from today. Do you think we'll reach a point more than often? And by the way, sometimes when I say the South, it doesn't even feel real because what I really mean is the North. And you've London. Got, yeah, you've got a huge disparity between the North and London. Look, I've never lived further north than Tottenham. I'm a Londoner. I was born here. And I can see that there is a massive disparity and things need to change. Um, I think Daniel's point is well made, that Boris has a lot of things to juggle. Any prime minister does. But he's been prime minister for quite a while now. For that, who was mayor of London. I mean, you'd think a man of Boris Johnson's experience and calibre would be used to juggling lots of affairs now, but Daniel. And he's just got to step up and do that. And do you think he will? Like my question Well, I've already is, answered the question. No, but the same I? thing I think, in terms of I think he's got up. to show that... Um, to be fair, levelling up was never about north versus south exclusively. There are poor parts of this country that are not in the north and there are areas that need levelling up that are elsewhere. So it was never ever just north versus south. And, um, and I think that's an important thing to remember. Uh, but but it, can you achieve, you can achieve things. You can direct and help jobs to be created. 
in other parts of the country. You, the government is doing that. I had, a, I had a session only this week with um, a chap called Lord Grimstone, who's the Minister for Investment, who's actually getting private sector investment, the government helping private sector investment into towns all around um, the United Kingdom to create new jobs in new technologies. So you can, the government can do things like that. And, and that will make a difference over time. And I think it's that focus on it, which today sadly has slipped, I grant you. That focus on it is what makes it happen and it, and it happens over time. Will you ever be as rich as London with the concentration of financial services in London? Probably not. But London itself isn't rich. London is full of rich parts and poor parts as well. So you've got to take into account that this financial services sector you've got here distorts the picture somewhat. Yeah, you tell me at home, when it comes to the levelling up uh, scenario, where do you live, by the way? Are you in the north? Are you in the south? Where are you? Do you feel like your area is affluent? And one of the key things for me when it comes to levelling up is a simple uh, question or predicament. When I reached a certain age, when it came to starting a career, I was almost faced with a choice. Did I want to develop a career or did I want to stay in my hometown? Mm. And those two things, it felt at the time, were very mutually exclusive. Mm. And I personally don't think that anybody should be in a position where they have to leave their hometown to develop their career. I think the opportunities should prosper for all. Um, if you want to leave your hometown, by the way, up to you, whatever. I'm talking about people that don't want to but have to in order to kind of progress onto a career ladder. You tell me, uh, do you feel levelled up? Do you think uh, all of this is just cheap talk? Or do you think it's something that can be actually achieved? GBviews at gbnews.uk. Um, I'm Michelle Jubery and this is Jubes & Co. Welcome back. Many of you are not happy with me at all. You think that I am taking everything all too personally, <coughs> simply because I'm Northern. Am I? I don't think I am, actually, um, because I, I have to say, I'm kind of okay in life. I worry for the people that are not. I worry for the people that are struggling now and going to be struggling even more so. And I do worry about the disparity between North and South. If that makes me a bit selfish because I'm a Northerner, what can I do? Right, Andy Burnham, he's told Keir Starmer to spell out what he stands for so that people can basically get the sense of where the next Labour government would go. He's also added that the Labour leader should have made his agenda clear a long time ago. The Mayor of Greater Manchester's comments come just days after Starmer's own shadow cabinet dubbed him boring and he was mocked for being apparently toe-curling. Hmm, all very odd and I have to say it feels to me like it's the million dollar question, Emma, as to not just who is Keir Starmer and what does he stand for but more broad, a kind of labour, but if I keep it contained to Keir Starmer for the moment, what does he stand for? Well, I think those are two separate and quite interesting questions, actually, because I think there is a difference between... There's this bloke, Keir Starmer, quite decent, uh, used to be a lawyer, quite loyally, and there's the Labour Party, uh, who have gone on several journeys over the last decade, and we still don't really know where both of them have landed together. And that's a problem for Labour, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, I'm not here to do that. Um, I want the Labour Party to succeed. If I'm going to help them do that, then I'm going to be blunt about where they're getting things wrong. And I don't know really what the vision is. Um, and I think it's really important that that's said by both people who are critical in general and people who are generally supportive. Because if people like me can't tell you in a sentence, this is exactly what the Labour Party will do and what the country will change after five years of Labour, 
then I think that's a problem and I think Labour needs to sort that out quick smart. Because I do want Labour to win the next election. I want the disastrous Tories out. Getting the disastrous Tories out can never be enough. It's okay. I think the, the fact that we're having a question about what does the leader of the opposition stand for tells you everything you need to know. No one really knows. People in the Labour Party don't know. General members of the public don't know. And I should say, of course, Big Brother Watch is a non-partisan organisation. We don't really have any skin in the game, but except for the fact that in a functioning democracy, you need to have a really effective opposition. And we just haven't had that. Um, and there has been, you know, from my perspective, working on human rights and civil liberties, and I've lobbied Keir over the years. I've met him, I've spoken with him. He's clearly a very accomplished and talented and capable person. But when it comes to some of the really big human rights and civil liberties issues, he has been, despite being a human rights lawyer, nowhere to be seen. The government wants to scrap the Human Rights Act. Uh, they're taking away people's right to protest, one of the most fundamental rights in a democracy. They've abandoned, in many accounts, the rule of law and different issues. Uh, during the pandemic, we had vaccine passports, mass sackings in the health and social care sector. And where was the voice for working people? Um, it was nowhere. He was silent. He was, frankly, useless at times and let people down. And that's an issue, you know, even if you're not a Labour Party member, um, but just for the general public, it's an issue when you don't have a strong opposition during what has been a, at times, disastrous government. I mean, he has been gifted opportunity after opportunity. And I think for, um, you know, political commentators and those of us watching closely, you come into PMQs thinking there's going to be a real showdown and you get these Star Wars jokes. I mean, come on. There is so much that he could do. There is so, and there are talented people in the Labour Party. Um, and there is so much more that could be done. But I think people have been really, really let down. He's not even standing with the unions. Mm -hmm. He's criticising the former leader of the Labour Party that he served. So I think people also think he's a bit of a shapeshifter, isn't he? Who, who really is he? What are, are his values? Um, Elizabeth has emailed in and said, Michelle, are you seriously asking what Starmer stands for? It's obvious, and it has always been obvious since 2016. He stands for rejoining the EU. Chris says Starmer counts for nothing. Uh, with him as the leader, Labour has no chance of getting into power. It's not even working class anymore, Labour. Too much knee-bending, and he doesn't even know if a woman has a penis. Um, see, that I have to say, that whole kind of what is a woman question, that is coming through a fair amount. Um, someone else says, what does Keir Starmer stand for? He stands for nothing. He kneels. Again, that one coming through thick and fast. I've got lots of, question, uh, lots of comments about kneeling and women and all that kind of stuff. Where do you stand on it, Daniel? Well, uh, I, I, I want to say it hurts me to say, but I think Andy Burnham is actually turning into quite a serious and statesmanlike figure, and it makes me feel, as somebody who lives in London, that we've really have drawn the short straw when it comes to mayoral to, to mayors, because Burnham is so much, uh, so, so very becoming so very impressive. Um, the only policy, genuinely, I'm not just copying what your lady said earlier. The only policy, genuinely, that I have seen Keir Starmer passionately commit himself and work to over months was overturning the referendum. Mm. That was the only policy I've actually seen him carry out, be totally committed to and, and work at over any period. There isn't anything else. Now, I'm sure, in a sense, he's a sort of decent middle-of-the-roader and he 
you know, he's got his points, but these are not policies. I don't know what the policies are, what he's trying to achieve for the country um, uh, at all. So um, I, I tend to agree with the criticism. And it's Andy Burns' criticism who's turning into a really interesting figure. Yeah, he is, Which actually. you wouldn't have said five years ago. I mean, he lost twice, he stood, I think, for the Labour leadership twice. Uh, and he lost on both occasions. And at that stage, I think most people would have regarded him as a bit lightweight and not a very significant figure. He's, he, he is a serious and credible figure, I think. I think he is. Do you, I actually think that Burnham, um, if he was the Labour leader, I think he would turn a lot of people to Labour or, or potentially back to Labour. What do you think? I, I, I mean, Andy ran twice. I'm, I like Andy. He's a, great, he's a good politician. He's a great speaker. Um, and he's done really interesting things in terms of some of the infrastructure, um, the investment and planning that they've done in Greater Manchester. Um, and that kind of sort of boring grind, actual leading stuff is really important. Um, so I've, I've got a lot of time for what's been done up in and around Manchester by, by Andy Burnham. Um, I think there are, there's always a prince over the water problem that every Labour leader has, whether it's um, your brother, your mate, uh, or that bloke up north. Um, this happens to any Labour leader. There is always going to be an ambitious cadre that is slightly champing at the bit to take over from you. Your job is to be good enough that that doesn't happen. And if Andy Burnham is giving Keir a kick up the what's it to make that happen, great. If it doesn't happen, then there's plenty of people ready to step up and step in. Yeah, I mean, so much I see Mal in a second ago saying Labour just need to get back to representing the working class. It was always supposed to be very simple, but the sentiment, as I've just said, that seems to be coming through is that the party's almost lost its way. It's too focused on trying to attack um, as opposed to, you know, present its own kind of stall of, of goodness. And it's very focused in minority issues and things like that, that much of the working class looking at, thinking, what are you doing? I mean, I think the Labour can't abandon minorities, but what they can do is absolutely say, we completely agree with that, but here's our focus, our 100% laser sense focus is on the cost of living. This is how the economy will be different under a Labour government. This is how your economy in your household will be different under a Labour government. This is how your security of your job will be different under a Labour government. This is how we will work with rather than against the unions in order to create a better country for all of us, whether that's in, in ensuring workplace security or in delivering better services. These are the things that Labour should come back to because those are the bread and butter issues that Labour has always traditionally cared about. And that will have a class element. Labour is the party of Labour. It's in, right there in the name. But, I mean, there was always a middle class element to, to the Labour Party. The, the, you know, the, the sort of middle class intelligentsia was part of building a coalition to set up the Labour Party 100 and something years ago. But it's about the balance of that. And it's got to come back to those bread and butter issues that we all actually care about. Yeah, um, Mark is saying... Well, Carl, should I say on Twitter, is saying Andy Burnham is just another careerist politician. Um, not you, you do say a bit more than that. I think it's safe to say you're not a huge fan of him. Uh, Richie says that, Michelle, I'm a Tory, but I would vote for Andy Burnham. He likes his passion. This is very good. Uh, Peter says, I would love to see Andy Burnham as the Labour leader. He thinks he would do a great job. 
Yeah, again, um, la who's this one here? Bernard says Andy Burnham as the mayor of Manchester. He's no different to any other Labour MP. Nothing special, he says. What do you think to that? Lots of comments still coming in, by the way, on the whole uh, Boris Johnson situation, Felicity says. Michelle, what do you think the people of Ukraine would make to your ridiculous statement? Um, basically, what he's saying is that we're very... She's saying we're very proud of our Prime Minister and what he's doing in Ukraine to help. So, Michelle, she says you should consider your sanctimonious tripe the next time you feel the urge to spout. I mean, Felicity, I've got to say, you ask what do the people of Ukraine uh, think. Uh, Boris Johnson is the Prime Minister of the UK, not of Ukraine. And my worry is is spending a little bit too much time doing exactly that, thinking, what do, the UP, what do the people of Ukraine think? And perhaps not enough time thinking, what do the people of the UK think? Christopher says, um, yep, basically, he feels, he agrees with me, he feels that the PM could have picked a better day and shown today that he's committed to the UK first and foremost, he's confused uh, with his choices. Sue says, we're furious that Johnson chose to go to Ukraine. He could have gone, he should have gone, sorry, to the Red Wall area, and he was cowardly by not doing so. Terry says, Jubes, yes, Boris Johnson absolutely cares about the North. And to be honest, he absolutely needs another five years to complete all the things he wants to do before the pandemic and a witch hunt has held him up a little. Gillian says, I'm a Northerner and I'm well cheesed off that Boris once again ignored us. She says she feels like they simply do not count. Hello there, welcome back to Jubes & Co with me, Michelle Jubry, keeping me company. Daniel Moylan, who's the former advisor to Boris Johnson and now a Conservative peer in the House of Lords. Silky Carlo, the director of Big Brother Watch, and Emma Burnell, who's a journalist and political consultant. Uh, lots of you getting in touch. Diane says, leave Boris alone. He's a true friend of Ukraine. Uh, Michael is saying, Andy Burnham as Labour leader, do not make me laugh. First of all, he supports the real strike and he says he doesn't seem that interested in the hardship of the effect that this will cause many people. Leslie says, I do not support Michelle's view that Boris should not have flown uh, to Ukraine. His stance in Ukraine has to be applauded, she says, standing up to Putin while the EU stood back. Uh, and did nothing. Um, Rosemary says, Michelle, I love your show, but I'm sad to hear you perpetuate the myth that all of the South is wealthy and privileged. She says, it's only the London elite and some areas of the home counties which are well off. I think I did actually make that point that we did say, didn't we, that it's predominantly London, um, et cetera, that, that is really kind of celebrating the goodness at times when it comes to the UK. Um, Spencer says, Michelle, you're 100% right about Boris. I like the guy, but he needs to put some effort into the cost of living in the UK. I agree with you, Spencer. Right, let's move on, shall we? Uh, lockdown restrictions, of course, have long since been lifted, but families are still being dragged through the courts for alleged breaches of the regulations. Calls are now coming uh, for an amnesty on COVID fines and questions about whether or not the police were all a bit too heavy-handed in the first place. There's a lot of focus on this uh, because a mother and daughter have been in court this week after police uh, in Scotland stormed into their home in January last year thinking that they had guests in the house, some kind of party, when in fact what was going on was that the mother's other daughter had just returned from hospital. Um, we've got a little bit of footage uh, of that incident. Some of you might have seen it, but if you haven't already, just a quick uh, warning that some of this is a bit distressing. My house. 
tell you that's uh, quite a lengthy video and having watched it all it is uh, very distressing silky carlo where do you stand on this yeah um we found that video and posted it um to the big brother watch account as soon as we saw it last january i mean even watching it then it, it gives me chills because um it brings home what we went through and for some families they are still going through this hell um for that mother and daughter um, who I've spoken to again this week, they're in court today, um, themselves being prosecuted because when that footage went viral, this so often happens, the tables turned and the police said that the police officers were assaulted um, and that the uh, women breached the peace in their own home. Um, it's appalling. and, and I, I, if you, by the way, thank you to GB News for showing that and for, you know, shining a light on this because no one else did. Well, it gets a lot worse, doesn't it? But obviously, we didn't want to. Yeah, but it's so important that people that people see it and recognise the, these prosecutions are still happening. People are still fighting fines. Students, young people. That poor young girl had just been discharged from hospital and she suffers with epilepsy, and the screaming that you hear is when she started having another seizure and uh, whilst the police officer was trying to arrest her for what? Being in her own home, not causing a health risk to anyone. Um, and so often we saw these powers being used in a brutal and draconian way. No one can look at that and so many other instances of police overreach and say that that was keeping people safe. So much of this was security theatre, inflation of state powers, inflation of police powers um, that has soured relationships between the people and police officers for a long, long time, but we're still paying for prosecutions that are going through the, the criminal justice system. And uh, it, uh, in my view, um, immediately any lockdown-related prosecution, there should be an amnesty, they should be cancelled. There is no public interest in pursuing those prosecutions whatsoever. The second thing that should happen is that any fines in relation to the lockdown, uh, there should be a route to appeal. So anyone who received a fine, if they think they wrongly received it, they should be able to appeal it. Um, it we even, Keir Starmer is still being investigated. And, and could be fined. You've just had half of Downing Street fined. I mean, it's gotten ridiculous. We need to put it behind us and also learn the lessons um, because the way that that was managed was despicable. The, the, the extraordinary extent of police powers. You have police going through people's shopping trolleys, telling them off for buying chocolates because it wasn't essential. People being told off for going for two runs rather than one. I mean, it was so ridiculous. It was an absolute stain on our democracy. And the most important thing we can do to, to 
recover um, as a democracy is to say never again. Let's learn from those lessons. Do you uh, agree with that in terms of an amnesty? Let's all just move on. Anything that's in the criminal justice kind of pipeline, just forget about it. I, c I completely agree with Silky, actually. I think there was an excuse for introducing lockdowns um, when the pandemic hit because it was so unprecedented. But we have experience now. And the experience is that having a lockdown enforced by law, that's the important thing, enforced by law, is a complete disaster in so many respects. And one of them is in relation to police powers. Some police forces actually are very moderate and sensible in how they enforce lockdown. Others went completely over the top. What all of them had in common is that none of them ever looked at the law. None of them ever looked at the law. The law, each of the laws that came out was as thick as that. Nobody ever actually mastered the detail of the law. Mm. They just went round doing what they thought they were doing right. Well, ordinary policemen, police constables, police, uh, you know, not great big people, not important people, doing what they thought was right and getting caught up in situations. And it should never have been legally based. People should have been able to choose their own lockdown. I'm, a, I'm this sort of person. I'm, I'm ill in this way. I'm exposed. I'm not. I'm fit and healthy. I will choose how to limit my contacts with the rest of society um, as a result so of this. Personal choice so rather you make than a legal. Personal choices about how you live. And things should not have been closed down by law. It should never happen. And I actually think you're absolutely right. What is the point of these prosecutions uh, months later? Um, all of these, retrospectively, um, all of the offences under the relevant um, legislation should now just be cancelled and the slate wiped clean. Yeah. Mm, no more prosecutions, cancel the lot and let people either have their fine back or donate it to charity. Mm. Emma? I would separate, I, I largely agree, but I want to separate, take this away from just discussing lockdown. And actually there are two issues here, one of which is how, um, how do we enforce the law? How do police behave and how should police behave? Because when you watch that video, that should almost never happen. And that's, shouldn't, that's not a topic about lockdown. There are so few scenarios in which that level of aggression in somebody's own home should ever happen, that it should only ever be around rescuing somebody from extreme violence. And that, you know, I can think of one or two occasions where that could be an appropriate policing tactic. That it got so escalated so quickly means for me that there is a culture where that has reached to far too easily and far too quickly. And that's not a lockdown thing, that's a policing thing and a thing that we should talk about on a much broader sense and a much broader issue. Then there is a separate thing as to what we should do about things that we decide now are no longer illegal. I think there is a big backlog in the courts, so there are, there are pragmatic reasons to move on from lockdown fines and things yeah. that we can deal with things that are ongoing issues where the courts are not able to deal with people are genuine criminals. But I think there, there are questions to be asked about whether or if we start amnestying this, then are, there, are any laws then a deterrent because you can just go, well, maybe the, you know, whatever, the drug laws or the, which I don't think we should have many or anyway, but that, that's my, but my, me being very, libertarian. They were very unusual, exceptional laws. And by the way, 
we've just discovered that the Prime Minister didn't understand. No, oh, absolutely not. I'm, I'm not. I'm 90 percent agreeing with you. I really am. I'm just saying that we need a bigger discussion about what happens when something goes from being illegal to legal and how we manage that process. I'm saying that we probably need a much, much bigger discussion about how much we say should be illegal in general. Um, and how we cope with that as a society. Well, I agree. I think it's probably a much broader uh, conversation and one, unfortunately, we'll have to have on another day because that is all we have got time for. Silky, Daniel and Emma, thank you very much for your company tonight. Thank you at home for yours. Lots of comments, by the way. Split down the middle on that one. Alex says, as far as I'm concerned, uh, anyone that doesn't uh, respect the law get, needs to be arrested, gets fined and possibly even put into prison. The police were just doing their job, uh, Bernard says. This just shows how some police officers are power-hungry. Wayne says, how come all the police were able to do all this stuff but can't even get themselves out to a burglary? And Alan Arnold says, it was nice to meet you today, Michelle. Say hello to my nan. Hello, Arnold's nan. Have a nice weekend, everyone, and I'll see you on Monday. Thanks for listening to Jubes and Co, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you will never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, leave us a nice comment. I'll see you next time.